3: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zivi. I'm the host, Zivi Owens, I am an author. My latest is blank, pub date March 1st, a novel. I'm also a podcaster, obviously, a publisher, a bookstore owner, and so much more. If you love books, you're in the right place. In fact, we call it the Ziviverse, or really, the LA Times called it the Ziviverse, and we're going with it. Go to ZivyOwens.com to learn more and follow me on Instagram at ZivyOwens. Alex Michaelides is the author of The Fury. Delighted to have him back. Alex was born and raised in Cyprus. He has an M.A. in English literature from Trinity College, Cambridge University, and an M.A. in screenwriting from the American Film Institute in Los Angeles. The Silent Patient was his first novel, debuting at number one on the New York Times bestseller list, and has sold more than 6.5 million copies worldwide. The rights have been sold in a record-breaking 51 countries, and the book has been optioned for film by Plan B. His second novel, The Maidens, was an instant New York Times bestseller and has been optioned for television by Miramax Television and Stone Village. Welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for coming back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Fury.
2: Thank you very much, Zibby. I'm really happy to be back on the podcast.
0: So tell everybody what The Fury is about.
2: Okay, The Fury is a thriller, and it's about a famous ex-movie star who invites her six best friends to spend Easter with her on her private Greek island, and then they get trapped there because of bad weather, and then there's a murder. But that's just the beginning, because what I really wanted to try and do with this thriller was to take all of the expectations that we bring to a classic setup like that, where people are trapped on an island, and then try and turn them on their head. So I had a lot of fun coming up with the twists and turns. So fun. Oh my gosh.
0: The voice is so great. So it's told essentially, I mean, you you jump around, but Elliot is the person who's sort of telling us the story and you get to know him as he is sort of, you know, over a martini kind of like talking to you about what's going on. How did you decide to like find your way into the story with that lens? And then, you know, sort of showing us and backtracking through time. And I mean, you did all sorts of tricks and, you know, structural elements. Why Elliot? as one narrator?
2: Well, that's a great question because that's my favorite part of the book, really. So basically, there's a couple of things. I I wrote this in a different way to the way I wrote my first two novels. The first two books, I plotted them for about a year and then I wrote them. But it really kind of took the joy out of it for me slightly. It becomes a chore. And so this time I thought I would just try and just tell myself a story as I went along. Mm. and I didn't know who the murderer was going to be and I didn't know the victim was going to be. I just had the characters and the situation and I dived in. And then when I got to the end of the first draft, I wrote it in the third person. It just sort of felt lifeless to me. I don't know, I have a problem with third person. I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to do a book in third person again. I just can't seem to get inside the characters' heads. And I was walking along the beach at night where I live and I just started to recite the opening lines of the novel to myself. And for the first time I asked myself, who is talking? Hmm. And then I thought, oh, wouldn't it be fun if it was a a minor supporting character? That's who Elliot was at that point. He's a British playwright and he's kind of sarcastic and dry. And and I thought, wouldn't it be fun if he's telling the story? And so then I rewrote the whole book from his (laughs) perspective. And he just took over and he changed the plot and he changed everything. So it was really creative for me. Yeah.
0: And was it fun? Was it as fun as you hoped?
2: It was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, pantsing, um, so to speak, it leads you into other difficulties. And so there was a lot of rewriting. But I think it's what it's taught me is that next time I write a book, I'm going to try and combine them both. I'm going to plot more, but then I'm also not going to be tied to that plot and I'm going to allow myself to change. So it's been a wonderful exercise for me. Yeah,
0: This is like setting pretend deadlines and then changing them
2: as you go. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a master at that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, we don't even find out who's been killed until the beginning of part two, basically, or the end of part one, beginning of part two. Was that how you conceived it? I know you were just going, you know, from the city of your pants, whatever. But once you figured out who was going to die, does it give it away if we talk about that? I don't know.
2: Maybe we shouldn't. Okay,
0: I won't. I won't say. Once you figured that out, did you consider? I feel like most stories would bring that up a little bit earlier, so you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, here's who it was. Blah blah blah. Is that part of the charm?
2: Yeah, I think so. For me, I wanted it to be like a character study, and I, you know, I, I think what I enjoyed about it was there are only six characters essentially because one of them dies, as you said. So mm-hmm. it becomes. A very much smaller canvas. And I think with my second novel, The Maidens, I overstretched myself somewhat. And it was just too many characters. And I couldn't get into them in the way that I wanted to. And so this time I thought I really want to focus on who they are as human beings and just trying to really nail the psychology of them. So that took a lot of time to set up. I really worked hard at that. You know, I, I wrote pages and pages of stuff about all of their childhoods, which I didn't put into the book hmm. because it just it felt important that I know that. But I didn't think the reader needed to know that. I guess my ambition is to try and merge a genre novel like a detective story and a proper novel that's i shouldn't say that (laughs) i mean a novel where characters are not necessarily obeying the plot and the characters are deep and rich and real and see if it's possible to try and create something you know like a hybrid because i think the very best crime writers do that naturally and that's what i aspire to yeah
0: maybe you should do like an offshoot when they're all kids and call it like you know, not the baby fury. What's the name of, like, a small wind? You know, like a, a squall or something.
2: The breeze. Yeah, the um, breeze. Which, I, I love that. I mean, I love the idea you're saying something about children. That hasn't occurred to me, but um, you heard it here first.
0: You heard it here first. Give it a shot. Maybe you don't even realize that it's the same characters or something. So the fury, of course, has many meanings. And one that we find out fairly early on is it's Kate's anger, right? Because she's just not who she really wants to be, especially in Lena's shadow and everything. Talk about that anger and where the fury itself came from and go from there.
2: The fury is the name the locals give, the, the wind. And I I don't know if you've ever been to the Greek islands, but I, I grew up in that part of the world and the wind is crazy. And the germ of the story came to me about, I don't know, 20 years ago. And I was actually longer, 30 years ago. I was stuck on the island of Mygonos for three days because the wind was so bad that no boat could leave and no boat could arrive. And that was when I first had the idea, oh, that's a really great way of trapping people somewhere for a story. And then as I wrote the novel, it became about, the the fury became kind of a metaphor for the characters' emotions. And like you said, Kate's anger and the other characters, like Elliot's suppressed anger. Mm -hmm. And so that became, it was a very kind of happy accident, but I had a lot of fun exploring that. Yeah,
0: I have been to Mykonos and it was insanely windy. And I remember calling the travel agent being like, nobody said anything about this wind. Like, what is going on? Like, I can't even sit outside.
2: It ruins being on the beach because you're getting sand flung at you the whole time. And so, you know, I just, I thought it'd be really fun for a novel.
0: I was just moderating this panel with thriller writers and talking about like, what is it about these situations that are really terrible that make some people just like deal with them, they go through and others like hang on to them. And like, they're like, well, Okay, this is inconvenient, but actually, let's pretend the whole pe- everybody's trapped here, and this is going to be a novel. And you know, like, where does that instinct come from? Is it just like an anxiety coping mechanism, or like I don't know, where where does that come from for you? What do you think?
2: I think it links into you know, like a big part of the novel for me is this ancient Greek philosopher who said the character is fate. Mm-hmm. You know, coming from like a psychological background, like I do, where I study psychotherapy and stuff, I find that really fascinating. And essentially, that means you know what we do, it, who we are, is what we do. Mm. And it's a way of kind of seeing that things don't just happen to you, but in many ways you make them. And so I'm, you know, I'm like you, like I would be on the phone to the travel agent, but somebody else would make the best of it. And I think that just comes to, you know, our our childhood, that kind of how we approach life. really. So you and I probably have maybe similar childhoods. I I don't know if
0: this is a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. Oh my gosh, all these uh, worst case scenarios all the time. What if this? What if that? You know? Oh,
2: totally. Yeah. I, I live in a constant state of anxiety, which is good for my writing. You know, I suppose.
0: Yeah. I'm always like, no one's going to know that I'm in this, like, deli grabbing a soda what if something happens in the deli what if they can never find me what if this happens i'm like why why can't i just like get a drink (laughs)
2: maybe it's like maybe it's a protective mechanism because i think i'm always thinking worst case scenario Mm -hmm. i'm kind of prepared for you know the worst that happens. yeah maybe that's what it is
0: ultimately it doesn't work though because when terrible things happen i'm still like knocked off my feet but i like to believe (laughs) (laughs) right i'm a mess i'm like the biggest mess there is you know but um (laughs) yeah i like to trick myself into thinking it is stealing me in some way
2: yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah. Oh, well, next time.
0: So you weren't annoyed at all when you were rewriting this from a different point of view? You weren't like, this is a pain. You were like, I'm just like going to enjoy it and get into it. And
2: Well, you know, t- speaking to what we're talking about, it was a really good lesson, I think, in not panicking because I could have panicked at that point, but I didn't. And I think the reason I didn't is that I was just enjoying myself so much writing the novel. You know, I, I spoke to David L. Baldacci once and I asked him how he chooses what book to write next. And he said, you just have to choose something you're still going to be into in two years' time. Mm-hmm. And it's the best advice Anybody ever gave me. And so, for example, with the maidens, I chose really sad subject matter and a grieving heroine. And then three years later, I was really depressed.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> this time, I thought I want to choose, I want to live in that world that I love the world of All About Eve and all black and white movies where people mm-hmm. like smoking cigarettes and drinking martinis and mm-hmm. dress beautifully and being a sophisticated, witty banter. Mm-hmm. And that's why I chose a movie star, you know, a theater actress and a playwright as the three leads. And I thought there'll be a fun world to live in. And so I think I've just had so much fun inhabiting that world. I felt quite happy to dive back in and approach it from a a different angle.
0: Turns out your next novel is going to be a rom-com.
2: Oh, maybe. I mean, it ends in in death, of
1: course. (laughs) (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,
3: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
0: Well, you do have a moment in here where Leo is sort of alone and he has a moment where he's like, he knew for sure that something terrible was going to happen. Like, he could just feel it in every sense and he was convinced. And then, Nothing terrible totally happens in that moment, but he can't like shake the feeling and instead he just gets sick or whatever. So tell me about those moments and like putting your characters, like you had him be so afraid and then, you know, it's like the foreshadowing thing. Is that what you were trying to do there?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I was. And I think I was also touching on this kind of slight supernatural vibe that's mm-hmm. going through the novel. So, you know, I'm always fascinated by Greek mythology. And it's something I weave into all my books just because it's it's where I grew up. It's like a really great heritage to draw on because at school in, in Cyprus, they they teach you Homer and Euripides, not Shakespeare. And so you learn about the myths from a very young age. And the very first thing I did when I knew I was going to set a novel on an island and it would have wind, I looked up the goddess of the wind. She, uh, the goddesses, they don't have a goddess of the wind, but they have a goddess of the breeze and she's called Aura. And so I named the island after her. And then the more I looked into her, she's not a benign goddess at all. She's quite terrifying. She hated men and she would go hunting. For them with Artemis. And then when she gave birth to a son, she ate him. Um <laughs> and so but that they again fed into the metaphor of the wind being on those islands being quite devouring and being quite scary. She plays a part later on in the novel too. So I wanted to weave that in in terms of like, you know, occasionally scaring the characters, like she does with Leo at that moment. So yes. that was a lot of fun to to put in. Yeah.
0: You know, your talk of you know, Martinis and old film stars. I don't know, have you seen the movie Maestro yet with Brad? No,
2: not, not, not yet. No, I'm looking forward to that.
0: it's so good. I don't know. It was robbed of the Golden Globe. But anyway, they do it so that in each decade, they film it the way it would be filmed at that time. So when they're in that time, it's kind of black and white and very mood-like and Mm. exactly sort of the way you're depicting. Um, And then it moves on to the next decade. And then the 70s are all like, Cool.
2: And anyway. Oh, that's great! I love that. Yeah. yeah, I should definitely see that. I watched like All About Eve and, and Vertigo again and again while I was writing. It's just trying to get in the right mood for that kind of world. And also, you know, I, I was a screenwriter and I worked in Hollywood and I was around a lot of famous people and I saw a lot of quite outrageous behaviour from people
0: like, <laughs> who
2: should remain nameless. <laughs> and I, um, at the time, I just kept my eyes open and my ears open and and I just kind of thought one day I'm going to write about them all. And so when the Fury happened, I thought, oh, really, what a fun idea to take these you know, badly behaved film stars and then trap them on a Greek island and then throw in a murder. Felt like a good, you know, world to live in. for a a good recipe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Sounds
0: like it should be one of those assignments you get in like an MFA program or something. Like, are (laughs) the elements. Like, go ahead, now do something with them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 try to mess it up. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, So the title is The Fury. What are you angry about these days?
2: Oh, wow. I mean, the state of the world. Pretty much. You know, I don't think I, I mean, I get angry sometimes. I think I have a very long fuse, but then when I lose my mind, I go crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's very much a Greek thing, I think as well. I'm angry about nothing really. I'm in a really good place right now. Ask me again in six months when I'm writing my next book.
0: (laughs) Okay. Do you have an idea for your next book?
2: Yeah, I've got it all plotted. You know, I'm on tour of the US right now, which is a lot of fun. I'm in New York currently, you can see behind me. And then I'm about to go to North Carolina tomorrow and continue. And so it's going to keep, I'm on tour until March. And then I start traveling around Europe. And so I knew that while I had a couple of months off before all this started, if I didn't plot my next book, I never would write it. Mm. And uh, it was a really creative time. I, I did what I always do when I when I write. I, um, I don't drink and I meditate a lot and I exercise and walk. And I wrote a, an 88 page outline by hand. And I'm really excited about it. I feel like I've learned a lot from this last writing experience and so I, I can't wait to get back and and write it yeah
0: okay so where do you, do you take then screenshots I feel like I would be worried that I was gonna lose the
2: oh zibi you've no idea like when I was in in Cyprus a few months ago um there, there was the well, a year ago maybe there was the, the a, a terrible earthquake in Turkey yes and it was close enough that we felt it and I'm on the 29th floor of a building and I woke up swaying like being in a tree and I thought I was gonna die in that moment and so the very last thing I thought when I left now to come on tour was, what if there's an earthquake and the building is destroyed and my my masterpiece is destroyed in the building? So no, I didn't take screenshots, but I worry about it frequently. I think I hope it's still there when I get back.
0: Yeah, I would be worried too. I no. feel like yeah, I would, or maybe I'd bring it with me, or I don't know.
2: I know. Then I thought that too, but I thought, what if I lose my bag? And yeah, be, yeah, yeah. You can't win, really. You just have to hope for the best. But it sounds like we both. Expect the worst.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, you're. Uh, I'll, I'll knock wood here that your building is still standing when when you Thank get you. back. You know, you never know. <laughs> what is up with film screen adaptations? Everything in that
2: world. Good. There should be some news about the silent patient very soon. I hope it's going to be a movie. It's taken a long time, but. You know, films always take a long time, which is part of the reason that I, I, I wanted to write novels instead. You're just in it constantly waiting when you're doing movies. And uh, The Maidens might be a TV series. I'm not too sure about that. The, the Fury has been optioned to be a movie. Yeah, and I'm going to be involved in that. So that's going to be a lot of fun to film. It's kind of a no-brainer, really, for directors and actors, like, you know, a few weeks in Greece. And it'll be a fun film to to make as well, I think.
0: And how do you make sure the wind to be fake wind, but not actually be so windy if you're filming in Greece?
2: yeah that's going to be a problem for them I, I think i mean presumably the wind will show up yeah you know is, maybe not usually, at
0: the right times. i don't know
2: not at the right time and i also think about you know how they're going to do dialogue and stuff like that thankfully that's not my problem
0: yeah we don't have to worry on. about that yeah. so you won't be involved with those details <laughs> are you going to are you going to write the script
2: i'll be by the pool with the <laughs> <martini>. <laughs> 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 um, I th- i'm thinking about writing the script i'm going to see if i have time but yeah wow i'll see Exciting. yeah
0: do you have time for any anything else besides touring and writing and swaying in your building?
2: No, I love, <laughs> writing is, is where what makes me happiest, honestly. You know, I, I get such joy from it, and I, I lead a very quiet life. It's funny, and I'm sure you know all about this. It's, it's almost like you have to be two different people, and I've never been on tour before because mm. uh, they did tour me with a silent patient, and then the maidens that was during COVID, so that tour got cancelled. And this is my first experience of realising quite how – different a skill set. And I presume that most writers are not super equipped for it, because we're happiest when we're alone with our laptop. And then you suddenly throw us into, you know, a room with 400 people where it's lovely to meet them and say hello to everybody. And I'm really enjoying it. But it's it does make me quite nervous at the same time, you know, and I keep thinking, I can't wait till I can go home and start writing. <laughs> oh.
0: Um, Well, the good news is most people don't have, like, a lot of expectations. Uh They just want to meet you. You know, they just want to, like, see authors. And they're not – I mean, I don't mean to say that they have Uh very low expectations of you in particular. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I just mean, like, the the expectations of a book audience are not, like – You know, they're not so judgmental. They just want to, like, see what you're like. So,
2: I mean, it's funny you said that because what I'm being amazed by is I thought people would be nice, but people are so nice. Mm -hmm. And also the temperatures that I've been traveling through, like, you know, Chicago was freezing and so was Pittsburgh. the amount of people who come out in the snow and then are so incredibly warm and so lovely. And people have said such nice things to me that I've been really, I've been almost moved to tears on a couple of occasions because the people are just lovely. So... It's great. But readers are just the best, I think. They
0: really are. They really are. Get a room of readers together and
2: you'll have a good time. Unlike writers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some writers. Most writers. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, what advice do you have for aspiring authors?
2: Two pieces of advice. I think the first one is that somebody famous said this, uh, writing is rewriting. And, you know, when I was younger, I would send out screenplays after a first draft and then be surprised that nobody wanted to buy them because they were terrible. Um, First drafts are always terrible. And you just have to redo it again and again and again and again and polish it. I think of it like oil painting where you add layer after layer and finally you add the details, you know, and nobody wants the first layer. It's just a blurry mess. You have to really finesse it. And the second piece of advice is just to keep going and not give up. You know, like I I wrote The Silent Patient for nobody other than myself, just as an act of love for the genre of, of a detective story you know, weekends and odd hours. And it's why it took me five years. And I kept putting it in a drawer thinking it was terrible and then not taking it out for a few months. I'm so glad I did take it out, you know, and I didn't have my first book published till I was 40. And so I think it's a really big lesson in just perseverance, which I, I you know, I just always encourage people not to give up on their dreams. It's so important.
0: I have my first novel coming out in March and I'm 47.
2: So oh, well, there I'm, you go. Even,
0: I'm even behind you. <laughs>
2: No, no one is behind me that's incredible you've done a few other things in the meantime so that's okay good luck um, with that
0: thank you very much um, well good luck with the tour I hope you survive you. in this terrible this is not the best season to tour I have to say you know next time pick spring or something
2: yeah, I know good idea
0: yeah you'll have to time your book release to a better
2: yeah. better season yes.
0: but anyway congratulations the theory fabulous and
2: thank you yeah good luck <laughs> thank you so much Sibby. thanks for having me on
0: of course anytime